Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 401k podcast. This week we're going to talk about mistakes that 401k plan providers can avoid today, or as we say in Hebrew, Hayom. Um, but of course, first things first, that 401ksite.com, September 9th, Seattle, November 18th, Charlotte, and up and running, we have uh, the tickets link for that 401k national virtual conference in January. Um, go to that site. Uh, we got... Uh, obviously in Seattle, a game against the Atlanta Braves, a uh, special guest to be named soon, and then uh, November 18th, we'll be in Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium, and of course in January, that 401k National Virtual Conference. Uh, for that 401k National Virtual Conference this year, we're going to do a really cheap rate to get people in, $2.23 until uh, Thanksgiving, and then afterwards, it'll be $20.23 to join in for two days of wall-to-wall education on how to help your uh, plan provider business. And uh, it's always unique and a lot of fun, and we do it virtually, no need to travel. Um, it's going to be available on YouTube at, at some point, so if you miss part of it, you can certainly um, watch uh, at your leisure. So going back to the subject at hand, um, one of my favorite scenes in one of my favorite movies, I want to say Airplane was number one. Probably at one point I say Fletch was number two. I think The Godfather Part One is number two, and probably The Godfather Part Two is number three, and then maybe Fletch. But one of my favorite scenes in The Godfather Part Two, which at times I thought was better than one, and now I still think one is better than two now. Um, one of my greatest favorite scenes in Godfather Part Two, and there are many, is Senator Pat Geary where he goes into uh, the scene with Michael, where he's attempting to shake Michael down. And Michael gives a speech on how we are all part of the same hypocrisy, which basically says, you know what, uh, politicians and gangsters are pretty much alike. And Pat Geary, of course, says, you know, I could be a little frank and a little too frank, um, but unlike Pat Geary, I don't blackmail mobsters or visit joints owned by uh, Fredo Corleone. Expressing an opinion, you know, uh, can certainly uh, upset a few apple carts, except I really don't know what that means, but this is just advice that I have for plant providers that I work with and, and talk and, and meet and whatnot, that uh, mistakes that plant providers can certainly avoid making. Number one on my hit list is making excuses about how the markets are affecting business. Now, I worked in this retirement plan business since 1998, so I've been through two major uh, bear markets, uh, the, the dot-bomb era, as I call it, and the, uh, you know, the uh, mortgage uh, disaster and um, financial crisis of 2008 through 2010. And you would always hear people making excuses, uh, again, uh, you always hear, oh, nobody wants to set up a 401k plan, all that kind of stuff. And I think I've told it quite a few times. I was a synagogue vice president of a local synagogue out here. Um, I live in Oceanside. The synagogue was out in Rockville Center. And um, I came into power uh, as vice president because I was coming up with unique fundraising and recruiting ideas and, and getting new members. And... Um, it's debatable what, what was the most um, disappointing experiences. Was it working at Meyer Swazi or was it being a, a synagogue vice president? And probably I would say synagogue vice president 
because I had some power there, but I didn't have enough power in the sense that, you know, I was coming up with some great ideas. We had fundraisers with Sal Stockbroker from the Howard Stern Show. I had another fundraiser as well. There were all these new revenue streams. We were increasing membership and whatnot. I was, I was going out and trying to recruit people from my village, which is one village over from Rockwell Center and other surrounding areas like Lindbrook and West Hempstead and Malvern and whatnot. And the problem, of course, was I was vice president with a very limited pull, and I was surrounded by people who were not even named officers, and I was also surrounded, again, former presidents who, again, had no positions of power but yet controlled everything. And I said to myself, I'm being surrounded by the same people that took a synagogue of 750 families and brought down to 250. And they would just come up with excuses. Well, you know, the neighborhood demographics are changing, and they had no solution to combat it. Um, I, I remember talking to a former president who was president, you know, 20 years ago and he said, oh, you know, uh, we're just going to get smaller and smaller. We're going to die. And, um, being my grandmother's grandson who never wanted to ever give up, life is worth living. She would always tell me she believed in that. And I, I can't fathom when somebody just says, oh yeah, the synagogue's going to die. I'm like, then what's the point? Just shut down the doors. Why do we have to, you know, just die? If, if, if we have a chance to survive, let's try to make the best of it. And I, I think I've referenced it before. One of my favorite scenes in the movie The Pisano Adventure is when Reverend Scott pleads with uh, Father, um, I forgot the father's name, the, the priest's name, played by Arthur O'Connell. And uh, he says, you know, come with me if you want to live, kind of. And the priest says, uh, I, I can't. I can't leave these people. And, 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 and Gene Hackman, as, as Reverend Scott says, then, then what's it all been for? I mean, why? Why? Why do this? I mean, if you have a chance to survive, take it. And, you know, again, I'm my grandmother's grandson. My grandmother, Rose, you know, she always believed that if you had a defeatist attitude, you know, you're you're doomed to your fate. Uh, she will say that the only, you know, the, the two reasons why she survived the Holocaust was she had a will to live and she prayed to God. Um, I'm not comparing what, you know, what she went through, but I, I hate when people have this defeatist attitude. And I, I hate it a lot because I'm the one who had a defeatist attitude. I was in law school. Didn't care for it. Uh, I just felt like defeated for a certain point. And, and, and I wasn't going to give up and drop out of school, but I was going to graduate and never become a lawyer. Um, and, I, and I realized that, uh, you know, these are just minor setbacks. And uh, you can always stem the tide. And, you know, knock on wood, I guess, or whatnot. I'm still here. I'm still, you know, have my own practice and calling my own shots and whatnot. But, uh, you know... We had two very, very bad markets, bear markets, 2000 to 2001, 2008, 2009. Uh, selling 401k services weren't exactly easy. Um, maybe, you know, obviously plan sponsors don't want to talk about 401k plans when they're losing 25 to, you know, 40%. Um, this bear market, we don't know where it's going to go. I think parts of it still overvalued and there's still maybe some dips. But... Times are tough, and the market's really in the crapper. Um, 
I think this is the, the time that plan sponsors need to hear about fiduciary issues. Um, you know, uh, if the advisor doesn't want to come out to a plan sponsor uh, because, you know, everybody's going to attack them for the way the market's going and, and it's affecting, you know, most sectors, uh, that's an opportunity for another advisor to come in and, and replace that advisor. You know, uh, they always say that uh, uh, winners, uh, uh, no, success has many fathers and mothers, and failure has failure as an orphan. And uh, when you look at a struggling stock market, I just think that this is an opportunity for uh, plan providers to take advantage of it. It's very challenging, obviously, when you know plan participants are getting a you know, buzz cut to their retirement savings. Uh, it's a difficult time to have a discussion, but I think this is really the right time um, for 401k plan sponsors to hear what's going on and, and what they're doing and what they should be doing. Uh, you know, obviously a booming stock market is easier to sell a 401k plan, but you can't let a bear market be an excuse as to why, you know, business isn't good. Um, I always say this, but you can't be a spectator in your own life. You have to be a willing and active participant. And uh, sitting around and moping about how the market is doing and how it's negatively affected business isn't going to help you. It isn't going to bring clients to your door. So uh, as Olympia Dukakis would say, moonlighting, stepping out of it. Actually, I'm sorry, that was Cher who said, it, who said it. Cher said it to Nicholas Cage. I stand corrected. Um, next on my hit list, stay away from crypto. I'm a crypto investor. I've always said that um, it, it comes up, it comes down. I was doing quite well for some time. I did enjoy some profits, helped me to pay off my HELOC loan, which I got to follow up with the bank and get that satisfaction of the uh, home equity line of credit that I took out about 15 years ago. Um, and I was able, you know, that crypto profit, you know, helped me get out of debt that, uh, you know, that still remained from when my house was half destroyed in Hurricane Sandy. But, you know, what I do with my own money is different than what I would do as a 401k plan sponsor. And, you know, what you know, a 401k plan sponsor does with participant money is quite the other. Uh, you know, obviously there are plan providers that want to offer crypto windows that would allow the plan participants to invest 20% of their uh, retirement savings in you know, Bitcoin. Uh, I think it's a bad idea. Timing is everything. And uh, this window is uh, a hard sell when, uh, you know, crypto is now like 23000 69000 It's high, Bitcoin, I mean. Offering an unregulated uh, cryptocurrency within such a heavily regulated environment as a 401k plan is just a bad idea. Uh, Bitcoin is volatile. Uh, forget about, you know, some of the other crap coins that are out there. Bitcoin in and of itself it's unregulated, highly volatile. Um, you know, it's like day trading. You don't want uh, you don't want plain participants to be gambling it away. Uh, as a whole, 401k plan participants are not sophisticated investors. They make poor and rash investment decisions. Instead of looking at the long term and understanding the basic of dollar cost averaging, they are more panic and lock in their investments the moment it goes south. It's a, always an expression I always say, people like to lock in their losses. Um, I, you know, I had relatives who were, you know, retirement and whatnot, and I always said to them, no, don't panic. 
have an exit plan three years before retirement, move money to uh, more stable investments as you close and, and near to retirement. But in terms of panicking, if uh, the time horizon's you know, 10, 15 years down the line, there's no point in panicking. You're just going to lock in your losses. And so, again, all my reasons for not investing in crypto are done, are, are still there without even thinking what the DOL was thinking. And I knew what the DOL was thinking. And we do know what they think. They think that offering within a 401k plan uh, Bitcoin is, is just a bad idea. They're vehemently against it. You know, they have concerns about the lack of regulation, the volatility, cyber crimes, uh, surrounding the theft, theft of crypto wallets. Um, I have a Coinbase account. Uh, there's always a phishing scam going on, I've seen. Uh, I know uh, Justin, uh, John Layfield, who's a former professional wrestler and also like a financial guru, um, he, uh, he was hacked. He lost a lot of money in his Coinbase wallet. And uh, it doesn't seem to be such an easy task, but you know, when you have a 401k plan sponsor, and how are they going to secure uh, the crypto investments? They're going to have to have some sort of wallet. Um, Fidelity is offering Bitcoin. Um, other providers for us all, I think, is offering a Bitcoin investment window. They're suing the DOL. Just think there are bad ideas. Um, and, you know, I don't know anything about the, the safety of the, their wallet. But um, the DOL said they would investigate plan sponsors that would offer cryptocurrency investments within their 401k plan. Why is Fidelity and for us all still going for it? Well, plain, plain, they've been working on this crypto investment idea when crypto was, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars. Took a lot of time to get it to the market. They're going ahead, and they think that you know if they go ahead and they push the DOL, well, maybe the DOL will change its mind. It's happened before. I mean, if you look at the history of uh, cash balance plans and new comparability plan designs. These were sophisticated uh, creations that the Internal Revenue Service was vehemently against. Uh, if you look at the late 90s, uh, my friends at Kravitz will attest, uh, the IRS said this was not legit. It might be a cutback in benefits. Uh, it doesn't work out. And then lo and behold, cash balance became part of the Internal Revenue Code. So, um, you know, I really think that the way things are, and again, uh, it's been a while where crypto, Bitcoin is still hovering around $22,000, $23,000. This isn't the time and place to be going and fighting for it. Uh, people will say to me, oh, well, you know, this is the opportunity to buy. Yeah, I just purchased some more Bitcoin today at around $22,000 and change. But I just think that uh, being a 401k plan provider and offering Bitcoin and trying to make waves isn't really a good idea, just my two cents. Uh, it has no place within a 401k plan um, as long as it's volatile, unregulated, and on the uh, DOL's hit list. Next, um, unpopular view, especially as somebody who uh, does this, but spending too much marketing money on live events. Uh, I still have that 401k conference for the time being. We'll see how that goes. Uh, we will have events in uh, Seattle in September and Charlotte in November, like I said. But needless to say, COVID has certainly put a damper on attendance at my live events. It's certainly put a damper on the live events of the national events that are out in there in the industry. Whether it's attendance or plant provider marketing support, 
e events were, you know, easier to run before COVID. I've uh, never had a problem with, you know, getting um, sponsorship. You know, sponsorship, my top sponsorship for these local events for like 1500 bucks. Uh, you know, I still think that even if COVID and the variants end tomorrow, I still think that there will be a significant part of the conference audience that will never come back. Uh, that's just my two cents. Uh, live events are a great avenue for live uh Live events are a great avenue to meet plant sponsors and plant providers, but you know I, I just won't put too much money and too much work into them because I think they will be you'll be disappointed with the results. You know, in the days when I had events at the beginning, if I had 25 people, I looked at that as a failure. Now I hope to get 25 advisors to show up. Obviously, Zoom, other online meeting platforms, uh, this will still be the way and opportunity, um, and that's why I, I still do that 401k National Virtual Conference. So uh, I don't think you should abandon uh, live events. I'm certainly not abandoning it yet, but I won't really open up the floodgates uh, to financially support them. And, and I'm saying this, being frank and honest, and realizing that I'm turning away some people who might want to sponsor my events. But that's, you know, $1,500 ain't going to break the bank, but, you know, I, I'm concerned with people spending $10,000 on a booth at some national event. Uh, I think there, there might be better ways spent that are money spent. I, uh, I was asked to sponsor a literature table at one of these state events for financial advisors and I just took a pass on it just because I just didn't think that the audience wasn't there. And then lo and behold, uh, it turns out the audience was half as it, what it was pre-COVID. Last but not least, plant providers shouldn't lose their shirt over, shouldn't lose their shirt over PEPs. Pulled employer plans aren't really anything new. If you think about it, they're really just in my opinion, open multiple employer plans with a 316 pool plan provider as fiduciary uh, support. Um, so while they're different than open maps, they are the same for business purposes. They often say that he who forgets history is obviously doomed to repeat it. Too many plan providers don't remember the lesson of open maps in terms of pricing and asset building. Too many TPAs and financial advisors are giving up the farm by pricing their services on PEPs too low. And they will never get it back in bulk. I've realized that years ago. Uh, I wanted to start my own practice even before I started going out my own in 2010. You know, I was doing wills for like 100 bucks, And you can't, you can't do enough wills at $100 to make a livelihood uh, as an attorney. So I learned that the hard way. Um, you know, it will take years for PEPs to get into a position where it generates enough revenue, unless, of course, you're bringing existing plans over. Uh, I'm not saying that plant providers should offer MEPs, uh, uh, PEPs, but th they should, but they should just be, uh, you know, they should realize that uh, patience is required in terms of asset building, and you should never cut your nose to spite your face in terms of uh, assets uh, pricing and service pricing and whatnot. Don't charge a plan like it's a single employer plan, but don't charge it like it's got $100 million worth of assets when it doesn't. Um, I, I think with PEPs, again, uh, uh, buddy Lyle Hembaugh of uh, Granite Group goes to the conferences and says, you know, there's quite a few PEPs that have already gone out of business. And, uh, you know, PEPs have only been in business for a year and a half now. That's, that's a problem. So I, I think that, you know, plant providers can... Avoid trouble by avoiding the mistake of relying too much as, uh, 
on PEPs as um, you know as the future. If they're going to cut their pricing and try to chase assets, they'll never really find. There are certainly opportunities for PEPs. Uh, state mandates are a great choice, but uh, you know I, I know a lot of California advisors are going after the CalSavers market, plan sponsors that have to adopt a plan or join up with CalSavers, and that's a ter terrific opportunity. Same other states as well doing that as well, but again, proceed with caution. You're in a business to make money, um, and you want clients that pay. And, um, you don't want pricing that just um, makes you uh, makes it a money loser to uh, have a pep on the books. So, hope you enjoyed this episode of that 4K podcast as I enjoyed giving it to you. And uh, go to that 4 site.com again for further information on all our live events. And we hope you tune in. Uh, next week to another episode of that 41k podcast. Thanks. Bye.